0: Ever seen a, a presidential um, entourage? Is that what you would call it—the parade of cars and stuff? Uh, we, we thought we had a good idea. Uh, actually, it was Jeremy's idea, and I went along with it. And normally, it's the other way around, but um, uh, we went on the roof of the uh, church here, and um, of you know, the church building, and to, to, just to take in the scene. You know, so we wanted to see the cars coming down. Seventy had been shut down, and uh, the moment we got up there, we started to think a little bit about it. You know what I'm saying? Like. A rooftop probably isn't the best place to congregate when the president's coming in town, you know? So so then what was hilarious is like pretty soon we see this copter that's like coming, you know, coming like almost towards us. and And the copter literally comes... Uh, you know, and Jeremy's like, dude, should we just like, what should we do? Should we like put our hands in the air? Like we didn't know if we were going to, one of us, we we were just going down right there, you know, but this copter flies in front of us and then it makes a whole nother loop and literally right over. And then the next time it comes behind us and we're just like, Hey buddy, you know, but it was just a, it was an interesting day. You're going to find some tremendous irony in the fact that Obama was here today. President Obama was here today and the scripture that we're studying. And so I, I have a tremendous amount to share tonight. And I would ask that uh, whether you feel lonely and lost, uh, whether you feel uh, confident and assured, whether your heart is in an anxious, zealous place, or you feel like you've been complacent and wondering, I want to welcome you in tonight to this discussion. And amidst all of those groups of people, wherever you're at tonight, I want to say this. We believe very strongly in not the reason of man, but the truth of the scripture here. And so as we study tonight, you're not going to hear some um, great methodical uh, teaching from my reasoning. Rather, we're going to dig into the Scripture in the search of the truth of God. And so if you're here tonight and you're inquisitive about what this is, uh, you may look at me and see uh, a younger guys, a pastor and younger guys on the stage. I want, you, I want to let you know uh, that our heart and desire is to, um, to not be youthful in wisdom, but however to seek it uh, from the old and wiser and mostly to teach the Scriptures. And so I pray that you're um, encouraged by that and ready to go tonight. So if you guys could open your Bibles to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 13. But we, before we do that, I want to say this. The last two weeks we've been wrestling a lot with our identity. I mentioned to us uh, two weeks ago that the our identity is the thing that as humans we think about the most. And yet it's the thing that we're the most confused about. And I want to make this statement just getting us into this tonight. The view of our identity drives much of our behavior. The view of our identity drives much of our behavior. In other words, how you view yourself, your identity, the way that you see yourself in the mirror when you look at that fine physique, right? As it looks back at you. That view of yourself drives much of your behavior. If you find most of your identity in your workplace... Then that will drive your behavior. It will cause you to be obsessed with work. You will work long hours. You will be a, a slave to your workplace. And what you will demand and what you'll find worth in is the approval of your superiors. If, you're, if that's your identity, then it drives your behavior. If your identity in here is to look phenomenal, then it will drive your behavior. Then you're the individual at Club Fitness seven days a week. Then you're the person that's, you know, spritzing your hair. Do we, is that, does that still happen? Spritzing of the hair, right? right. I use moose actually, right? Our behavior is driven by our view of our identity. Now, for me, the last couple of weeks is we've been wrestling with who we already are as Christians. Let me remind you what the Scripture says. The Scripture says we're a chosen race, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, the scripture says, a people of God's own possession. We can't, as believers, gain any more identity than that. He's growing us. We're being sanctified. In other words, we're growing in our holiness. We're becoming more like Him. But we already are on this earth, as Christians, the greatest that we can be in our identity in Him. Are you with me? I'm no more a child of God tomorrow than I am today. So the thing that I've been bothered by is, why am I still trying to attain an identity that I already possess? Why am I still trying to work after being a child of God when I already am? Why am I still trying to work myself into being called a people of His own possession when I'm already a person of His own possession? You see what I'm saying? So that lack of identity, that lack of security and assurance will drive my behavior. But our challenge is this. We've been learning about the fact that we're aliens and sojourners here. This is a temporary home. Last week we talked about backing up the moving uh, truck to the holodome. And I was saddened by the fact that most of you didn't know what the holodome was. Did anyone go back and Google holodome? Anyone? (laughs) Anyone? I'm very disappointed in you all. You all, like, we just need to stop, right? It's literally the most amazing bacteria infestation creation of the, of the 80s. It was awesome, right? Arnots, did you guys ever go to a, a holodome? Of course you did. The locks, holodome, right on. There we go. They had them in California too? Okay, they didn't. All right, sorry about that. Of course not, right? But we talked about the fact that it's, it's as ignorant to live here as Christians, like this is a permanent place for us, as if we're backing up the truck... To a hotel. So my question is this. How do we then live as aliens and strangers? How how do we live as citizens of the United States of America? And yet our citizenship is in heaven. This really is in our home. Like how does that get fleshed out? What does that look like? Well, the amazing thing tonight is that Peter starts to drive home a four week. What what we're going to do in four weeks what life is to look like as aliens and sojourners. So if you guys are all with me, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 says this, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now, this is crazy. By my count, there is only a few passages in the New Testament that talk about our relationship to the government. And on all the possible days to teach submitting to the government, the president of the United States was 200 yards from this building. To, it's crazy. Sometimes God's sovereignty, right? Just, it, it, it baffles us to step back and be like, what are you trying to do here, okay? This passage instantly rises up. Some uh, passions in us. You start talking about politics and government, especially uh, talking about being subject to them, as verse thirteen says. Uh, many of us like already get out the protest signs and we're you know already we're, we're ready to dive in today. I drove home because the thing was right there by my thing and by my house, rather, and you know all kinds of protesters out. I want to not seek the reason of man in learning how we're to react to the government or to the human institution, but rather uh, search the Scriptures. Are you with me? So put up a verse 13 and 14, and we're going to work through this piece by piece. The first part is be subject. And now the literal Greek word is hupotasso. Everyone say that with me. Hupotasso. That's right. It sounds like a Lion King character, right? Now, this th- this Greek word means to be in submission to. Be in submission, the Scripture says, to every human institution. Now, there's all kinds of things racing in your mind right now. I know it because they're racing in mine too. So let's begin here. I know one of the first things that you're thinking is, hold on a second, but the political system in Peter's day was way less corrupt than it is now. Let's just all begin tonight by saying government is corrupt. It's made of corruptible people who are very corrupt and depraved. They're in need of Jesus. All of us are in need of Jesus. So it's made up just like the church of corrupt folks. And so, yes, the government, even in America, is corrupt. All right. But in Peter's day, let me describe to you what's happening. A little uh, little boy by the name of Nero, 17 years old, was appointed uh, emperor of Rome. Okay. Uh, could you imagine being a 17-year-old emperor? Okay. We were talking about, earlier today, uh, Jeremy and I, while we were being sniped out on the roof, we were talking about, like, literally, Jeremy, how many how many police cars did we see? I mean, it was like, it was like 75, a hundred cop cars, you know, most of them just like finally feeling like they have purpose in life. You know what I'm saying? Like a part of the, right. But I mean, the, the, if the president comes to town, I mean, things shut down. I mean, there's signs on the gas stations. It's this picture yourself being a 17 year old emperor of Rome, the pomp, the circumstance. Well, listen to this guy. A Nero was a homosexual. First of all, in, uh, in 59 AD, he had his mother executed. I'm pretty sure by just standard code, like doing anything to your mom is just, is not good, right? Like your mom is awesome, you know what I mean? Like, so, and he executes her. Not, not just that, he executes his first wife in a 62 AD, okay? So he's what, like 24, 25 at this point, and, and the ruling system of government is getting to him, okay? Now the interesting thing about Nero, and and we've talked about this many times, is in 64 AD, this massive fire breaks out in Rome. And after six days, many folks believe that he continued to fuel the fire because he wanted to build a bigger palace for himself. Now, the interesting thing about Nero, listen to this. Under Nero's rule and reign, Peter was crucified upside down. Under Nero's rule and reign, Paul was beheaded. So at the moment, when you start to think to yourself, yeah, but... But our day, like the, just the systems are so corrupt and messed up and, and defiled. Be reminded that in this particular setting, in this particular time, it's being ruled by a homosexual who killed his wife and mom and pretty much puts Rome on fire so he can build a bigger palace for himself and then ends up blaming it on the Christians and persecuting them, including killing the one who wrote that verse. Peter writes, be subject to every human institution, and later on sits underneath that rule and is killed. I want to put us on a a, in a place of humility tonight to hear this text. Because I think many of us just instantly get riled up when you start talking about government, especially submitting to it. And the reason why we teach the word of God is what does it say? What does it say, friends? Uh, Put up Romans chapter 13 for me. Look at this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no one authority except from who? From God. God has put these people in authority and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Again, Nero killed him too. And what does Paul say? Paul says, submit to the government authorities because God has allowed them to be there. I feel like when it comes to government and submitting to human institution, we throw the sovereignty of God out the window. We start to think that man takes control at this point and that God has lost control. God, what are you doing? How could you let things get this bad? How could you let things get in this, this crazy, corrupt state? How could you let the health care go where it goes? How, God, how could you do this? Is He sovereign or is He not? We have a convenient view of God's sovereignty. We throw the sovereign card in when it's convenient for us, but when it's difficult to wrestle with and difficult to understand, then we like pull it back. Well, I'm not sure, God, if you know what you're doing here right now. When Paul and Peter both say... The governing authorities were to submit to because they're there by God. Now tonight, a big piece of my heart is to expose something in your heart. I feel like our general view of authority is pretty messed up. For many of you, just your picture of authority, your view of submitting to anything or anyone is completely distorted. For you, you're the person that never takes the blame. You're the person that uses authority to push blame onto. It's always someone else's fault. The man has got you down, right? Many of you guys just live in this premise. The man this, the man that, right? It, it's, always the, it's always the cop's fault. It's always someone else's fault. You know what that reveals in your life? A lack of sitting under authority, Look, I'm, I know many of you had dictatorship ism dads, okay? Right? You had authoritative, tyrant dads that just ruled and reigned over you and in such a way that just caused you to get. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it's me. I hope not, right? But, oh, is that an applause? <laughs> God, forgive me. Welcome back from Haiti, Miles. When you going back, and um, <clears throat> we many of us just have this messed up view of authority. We hate sitting under it. Seriously, I want to expose in your heart right now this: Can you and are you able to submit yourself to anyone, let alone the governing authorities? The bigger question is: Are you willing and able to submit yourself to God? Have you taken this view of humans? And thrusted it on God. Verse 13 is clear. Put back uh, 1 Peter 2, 13. Be subject. It's clear. Be submissive. There's no like exceptions to the rule. It's clear. And I feel like for many of you, it's just this inward struggle. is I don't desire to sit under any authority. Everyone's trying to get me down. It's everyone else's fault. When will we start taking ownership, friends? You know where ownership leads? It leads to reliance on the gospel. Because when you start taking ownership for your faults and your failings and your sin, it must end for a believer at the cross. When you're continually passing blame, then you're only taking the authority of the cross when it's convenient for you instead of a lifestyle of gospel rhythm that says, I need you every day, I'm reliant. And so I take ownership for my sin, for my failings, for my misdoings. And I need you, Jesus. But many of you, because of some bad, tyrannical leader in your life, you view God and authorities as just these people that are trying to get you down. When in a crazy, corrupt government system, Peter says, be subject, be submissive. Uh, Next part of the verse is, (laughs) for the Lord's sake. This command isn't so that we can live better. This command is in obedience to God. Can you picture this? Listen, one of the things that I've been thinking so much about is uh, Jesus' interaction with Pilate. And many of you guys know the story, but Jesus stands before the governing authorities. And by the way, if you want to view what it looks like to submit to government, Jesus is a phenomenal picture. Because he stands before the governing authority, Pilate. And you know what Jesus says? Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? And, you know, Jesus says, I I am what you say. And Pilate, like, brings all these accusations. And Jesus sits there and says nothing in his first interaction. And in the next interaction, Jesus says, look, you only have power because it's been given to you. And then the Garden of Gethsemane, Do you remember what happens? Peter takes out the sword. And what does Jesus say? Put the sword away. Like we're not here to fight the battle. Why? Because Jesus understands what we don't. Is the battle against flesh and blood or is it spiritual? Is the battle what we see here or is it something else that's happening? Many of you just live in the flesh and then use the spirit, friends. But listen. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. And so because of that, we can submit for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now, many of you in your mind, you're like, okay, Mark, so Mark, what you're saying is if we lived in Nazi Germany and we saw what was happening, that we're just supposed to sit back? Mark, is that what you're saying? Be subject, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution. We are to submit to the human institution as long as it is not going against the Scripture. The Scripture is our ultimate authority. The Scripture is our ultimate guidebook. The Scripture is our life. So at the point when government begins to go against the Scripture, then we submit to God before anyone. Are you with me, church? Now, now the next question for you is, okay, so what does that look like? So what happens when government Brings up an issue like abortion. What should be our response? Sh- should we use our freedom of speech? Should we sit back, Mark? What does life look like at that point? And as the rest of this scripture is fleshed out, we're going to answer questions like that. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every institution, whether it be uh, to the emperor as supreme, or to the governors as sent by him, which this shows us that it's not just the, the president that we're to submit to in our case, but... All of the leaders underneath, or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Do you see what happens here? This is the biblical purpose of the government. Do you see this? The biblical person, it's also affirmed later in Romans 13, the biblical purpose of the government punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Now, this gets really interesting really fast, doesn't it? And there's many conversations and implications that come from this, but I want to focus on one. How often do you see the governmental system of the world praising good? How often do you see Christians fighting for the governmental system interested in praising good? What I mean is this. How many of you guys have, have seen the scene uh, from the war movies, and there's a whole a war movie, I'm forgetting the title now, where it's all about the kind of the, the, this mount where we put the American flag on. What's that movie? Um, F- Flags of Our Fathers, something like that. Is that what it is? Okay, awesome interaction. Um, but, but you guys know the scene. It's like all of these men, and they're pushing the flag up. M- my question is this. What's the flag... That the Christians are hanging on? What's the flag that the Christians are putting in the mountain? Is it political activists? Is that our biblical call? Is that what we're called to be? Ultimately, as Christians, we are called, our highest call is to be political activists. To be the protesters, to be the bloggers, to be those who are, you know, writing things on every Twitter, Facebook, any kind of means we can. Getting out political uh, Jargon is that? Is that our purpose? Is that the flag we want to be known for? Or are we pushing, pleading, praying that the government will not just punish those who do evil, which that's even questionable at times, and I think we could agree, but also praise those who are doing good? In other words, is the Christian call to be a political activist, or like we're experiencing in We Love Saint Charles, a social activist, a lover? You see the difference. Now in Peter's day, completely different. Why? If you speak up against Nero, you think it's gonna end well for you. Right? Completely different scenario here today, isn't it? You speak up against Nero, off with your head. I mean, there's no no if, ands, or buts. It's a completely different climate now. We have freedom of speech. But the scripture is clear, friends. Submit, sit underneath government authority not when it goes against Scripture, but as long as it is not going against Scripture, then we are to submit. And the purpose is keep coming. Verse 15 says this. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. The world is getting confused because they hear Christians talk about king. They hear Christians say, God is king. Christ is king. God is good. They hear this. And so in their minds, they're thinking, okay, so for a Christian, then that means that they must be submitting to God. They sit under God's authority. They submit to God. But the problem is they see the rest of our life and they see minimal submission. Minimal submission to our parents, minimal submission to our uh, bosses, minimal submission to the governmental authorities. And so there's, they're getting mixed messages. You say you're following a king and that you submit to God. And yet every other piece of your life, you, you don't submit anywhere. You, you live as an alien and then you take advantage of living as an alien here. You see, you see the problem. The problem that's created, my friends, is that the world doesn't see Christians sitting under the authority of God, reading passages like this and taking it seriously. What does this mean? Is it the word of God or isn't it? Do we sit underneath the authority or don't we? The awesome opportunity we have is to sit underneath the governmental authorities, submitting, humbling ourselves. And the world looks in and they're like, so what's your flag? Our flag isn't to be a political activist. Our flag is love. Our flag is Christ. We provide no confusion. Just like Peter takes out all ambiguity. It's God's will. There's no ambiguity here. Hey, I think, it's, I think it would maybe be good if you guys would submit to this, this ruler thing. Is it's going to end up better? No, what does he say? It's God's will. It's God's desire. It honors God. Again, I think for many of us, it just comes back to this issue of authority. I don't want to follow anyone. It's everyone else's fault that I struggle. All of my issues are based upon how I was raised. Start taking a little bit of ownership and submit to God in every aspect. Verse 16 says this. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants Of God. Have you guys ever heard of Martin Luther? Martin Luther said this. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all. Subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all. Subject to all. Let me read that one more time. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all. Subject to none. In other words, through Christ. We are freed from the bondage of sin. We have a freedom that no other person outside of Christ has. Every other person outside of Jesus lives as a bond slave, a bond servant to sin. We don't. We've been freed. And so in that sense, we're subject to none except Christ, obviously, and he's implying that. Then he goes on to say this, a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject of all. We're both free to live in Christ and we're both at the same time in unison to sit under authority, to live as people who are freed. In other words, our submission of authorities reveals our freedom. Because we're living as though we still don't have anything to work for. It doesn't mean that we just shut our mouth. Don't hear that. It doesn't mean that we don't take a stand but it means we take a stand in the times when the, when the government goes against Scripture in such a way that it still shows our subject love of God. And that's the difference. Why have Christians been seen as haters, bigots? It's because of things like this. Christians have taken advantage of their freedom. They've made their flag, their political views. And then the world looks on and is like, I thought you were all about love. Why is this coming off like you're mad at everybody? If we truly understand that we're freed from sin, if we truly understand that He's our portion and our praise, if we really understand that He's sovereign, that He's in control, seriously, what have we got to worry about? Is the world confusing you by its corrupt nature? Do you look at it and you're like, how is it so corrupt? How is it surprising to you? I feel like if we had a better understanding of our own sin and then multiplied that by the world, we would be a little bit more comfortable sitting underneath the sovereignty of God. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants, submissive to one true and holy God. He ends with this in verse 17, very interestingly. Honor everyone, and this is talking about all people. I want to share something with you guys. When we live in submission to God, we live with our head up. Looking, seeking, desiring ways and opportunities to love people, to honor people, to respect people. This morning I was a uh, quick trip. Any quick trip fans here? Best long johns ever created. Those donuts there at Quick Trip, they get me every time. You know what I'm saying? And I was uh, talking to the guy. I was talking to the guy there, and I was like, hey, so uh, President Obama coming today. You're going to, you know, you think, it, you think you're think you going to give him some gas or something? Like, you know, what does it look like? And and, and we're just sitting there talking, and we're, and we're laughing together, and we're talking. And then I asked him a question. I was like, hey, man, you work here at Quick Trip every day. I see you every day, almost every day. Normally start. Don't, I don't get donuts every day, and, you know. <laughs> You're like, dude, you got a problem, right? I'm normally, a Diet Coke, and so anyway. But we start talking. I'm like, man, so you're here every day, and every day you you come here, and every day you see a lot of the same people, and every day you say debit or credit, and then every day you say receipt or no receipt. I was like, bro, like, tell me how how, how you just just live like this. And this is really early this morning, and and we we had this we had this amazing conversation. Like, there's people behind me. And I, I looked at him in the eye one time, as, as at the end of our conversation, and I could tell for a brief moment in time he was really inquisitive what was happening. He's like, "Who is this guy? And what's you know, what, like, what's going on right now?" But but listen, it, it was just it would have been just as easy. Listen, to walk in a quick trip, and to walk directly out, not caring about who is in front of me, not noticing the guy there. Friends, there are people all around us. This passage says underneath this concept of submitting, honor everyone. Respect everyone. As aliens and sojourners here, it doesn't mean that we're just to take advantage of that and say, well, forget the world. My citizenship is in heaven. And it's going to be awesome. And so I just can't wait to get there. No, it's, it's, there's people everywhere. Seriously, guys, last week, and I, I just want to be vulnerable with you. Last week when we were downstairs, how many of you guys were here? Downstairs. It was awesome. Pack them in. You know, the... Everything was just super, super cool. And I've been talking with Jeremy and Chris and Matt and Jeff. We just had this sense of like, this was awesome. It felt like vintage Matthias. You know, it felt like old school Matthias when we were first starting. And we were just all, I want you you to, to know something. Our heart and desire moving forward, and you're going to start hearing about a lot of opportunities, is that the corporate body, the church, has an opportunity outside of Lot families just to start fellowshipping more to start hanging more, to start seeing each other more, to start having the opportunity to honor folks, not just believers, but non-believers alike. Because I, I, you know, and yeah, it was great. It was old school ice cream social last week and, you know, all, all the extras. But there was this phenomenal, profound sense of community. Don't you love that? Don't you love the sense, look, don't you love the sense that this isn't like a country club meeting, huh? Like there's no gavel up here. We're a bunch of living people trying to wrestle with what life looks like as aliens here. The blessing that we have is we get to be with each other. So, so the scripture says, honor everyone. Look for opportunities. How many of these folks do you just long to talk to afterwards or are you ride right out the door? You're just like, okay, I'm here and I, I got to bust out. I hope and pray, whether it's your first time here, that you just hang and that we talk and that we get to build relationships a lot of people don't have what you have right now. Sitting in a room with a hundred and however many folks here. It's an awesome opportunity. Living life with your head up. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Peter's writing in a very dismal, distracting time. People are dying. And what does he keep coming back to? Look, I know you're aliens and sojourners, but you're aliens and sojourners together. 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 We're all awaiting our citizenship in heaven. As the brotherhood, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we're all there together. So honor those folks. Love the brotherhood. Enjoy time together. Some of you see see families, as our small group or even being here at times as a burden. It should never be a burden to see the brotherhood. I can't wait to be with the brotherhood. I can't wait to ask the brotherhood how they're doing, how their gospel rhythm is doing, how they're seeking Christ. As they went to Him today, what is God showing them? Whether you're the most shy person or the most me right whatever you are right whatever you are we have that opportunity church listen it's time that matthias's lot has this profound sense of the blessing of community again we have been so focused on st charles and rightfully so and we're learning what it looks like to serve together in lot of families and god is blessing that but corporately we also have this together can I just ask you the point blank question under the authority and the submission of God, do you feel like you're providing opportunities for you and your family to love the brotherhood, to be encouraged by them, to hear what God's showing them? And if you're here and you don't know what Jesus is or what it looks like to follow him, let me encourage you with this. One of the greatest blessings is the brotherhood. And you're like, so is that only for dudes? No, it's a, it's a unifying unifying, communal aspect of the church. Now notice what he does here. Fear God, honor the emperor. You see what he does here. He uses one word twice. That word is, honor everyone, honor the emperor. He puts the emperor and everyone on the same category, just in case there was any confusion. So if you've read this whole thing and you're walking away from this passage thinking, okay, so I guess I submit to the emperor above all. No, he says, honor everyone, honor the emperor. He says, love the brotherhood. And then what does he say? Fear God. God sits on the throne. All of this is happening under his rule and his reign and his watch. He is the God of the universe, the sovereign God of the universe. And at the moment that you feel like the United States of America is spinning out of control, my question is this, is it really? If you would answer that question, yes, then you're questioning God's sovereign plan. All of the authorities that are given rule are there only because God has allowed them. Anything that's happening in this whole world is only happening because of, because God has allowed it. Can we for a moment tonight just use the sovereignty of God as a celebrative point instead of just throwing it in when we're, when, when it's convenient for us? God is sovereign! Yes! Thank you God that you have a plan and that even though I sit as, a, as an alien here confused about how I'm supposed to live in this messed up world, I praise you that you've got it all worked out and I get to sit and submit to you and not worry about anything else. My contention to you is that you're worried about a lot of things. you got a lot of worries. you got a lot of points that you're passionate about. A lot of things that you're, you love writing about and blogging about and talking about over lunch that ultimately is not submitting to the governmental authorities. Let me say this. And I mean this, if we spent the amount of time praying for our rulers, and I want to stop right now, because many of you just hear that and you're like, oh yeah, I'll pray. Dear God, (laughs) you know, God, will you just come down on the, you know, God, just drop a bomb on the house of, don't put this on the internet, Uh, (laughs) Andrew, I just shouldn't have said that, right? But but that's how you pray. You pray in spirit. You pray, in sp- you, you pray in jest. You pray without a heart of compassion. What happens when our heart breaks for those in leadership? But Mark, they're so messed up. Yeah, welcome to the crew. You were saved by grace. Not because of anything that you've done, so that man may not boast. So act as though you've been saved by grace and start pleading on your face for the government and for the rulers and authorities and Mayor York and all of the people here in St. Charles with a heart that's genuine, not in God, will you just... No. God, change their hearts. God, move. God, give them strength. God, give them... God, save them. And it would be amazing to see the amount of time that we spent jabbing, the amount of time that we just spent passing blame. Oh, the man's got me down. Taxes, this. Healthcare, this. This. Instead of, God, I know that all of the presidents who ever have been that you've placed there under your sovereign hand. So, God, I'm going to submit to the governmental authorities. I'm going to plead that that these leaders, that I, I, A, can submit to their leadership, but God, give me discernment to know when they're doing something that goes against their Scripture. And God, give me discernment on what it looks like to have a voice. God, give me great discernment. You see the difference. If you could take that approach, if we could take that approach then we would be honoring the emperor and most of all, fearing God. I think for many of us, there's like a drastic wake-up call here tonight. Listen, some of you heard uh, President Obama was coming to town today and the conversations you had already today weren't pretty. I mean, you, you bashed. You, you ridiculed. Submit! Submit! President Obama is the president of the United States of America. Do I agree with every policy? No. Do I agree with every stance? No. But the scripture is clear. I'm to submit. And so because of that, I will plead and I will pray. And my question to you is, will you join me? Will you join me? At the end of all this, the very uh, distinct question that I have for all of you is not whether or not you'll submit to President Obama or to Patty York here in St. Charles, but whether you'll submit to God. It seems like if we learn how to better submit to the government, then we'll learn how to better submit to God. and That's not how it works. Friends, right now, do you feel like you're sitting under the rule and authority of God and you're saying, I'm yours, I submit to you? whatever you desire, whatever you want. You're my, you're, my, you're my praise and you're my portion. I will do whatever, it, God, just, I, God, I just want to submit to you. What happens when we start praying a prayer of submission? Are you with me? What happens when the church starts praying a prayer of submission? God, help me submit. God, take my voice away. Take my argumentative heart that blames everyone for everything away. And God, just help me submit. God, help me read your word and submit. Help me read your statutes and submit. Help me hear from you and submit. What happens tonight when the church just says, God, we long to submit to you. Imagine that. Imagine that. Part of the blessing of submitting to God is being able to remember why we get that opportunity to submit. Every time the early church gathered, remembering the sacrifice of Christ, remembering the words of Jesus when he broke the bread, and he said, He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. Every time they remembered Jesus by taking this meal, it was an act of submission. It was a remembrance of submission. You died so that I could live. And now I live as a bond slave, not to sin anymore, but to you, Christ. And so Jesus said, take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup And he held it up. And he said, this cup represents the blood of the new covenant. And he was referring to the covenant that he was going to make on the cross. By dying, his blood shed on the cross. He became the perfect Passover lamb, which all of creation was waiting on. And by his blood, we could be made right to have relationship with God. So he said, this blood represents the blood of the new covenant. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. I have a very specific call tonight for you, church. Very specific. As Christians, believers, and that's what the Lord's Supper is is for, as you repent and seek your heart, see the ways that you have lacked in submission for the governing authorities of this land, I'm asking you to seek your heart and to ask yourself, where right now am I not submitting to God? Well, the first part that may be confusing is if you're not in the Word, you have no idea where you're submitting and where you're not submitting. by Unless it's just what other people are saying. Well, I guess I'm not because there is no doubt when you read the truth of the Scripture, it clarifies for us all where we are submitting and where we're not. And so I'm asking you tonight, when you get up and you repent and you come and take this meal, may the walk up here the whole time you're praying, God, I just desire, I yearn, I want to submit to you. In every aspect of my life, and in, in the, my finances, and my relationships, God, give me a love for the brotherhood. God, help me submit to these governing authorities. I know it's tough. And that's where we end. If you walk away from tonight and you're like, no problem, th- then that war that we read about last week isn't raging in your soul living here as a citizen as an alien as we await is extremely difficult and that is why we must submit because we will screw it up we will choose our flesh the war raging we will rest on our own advances and our own opportunities we must submit to the authority of God to navigate life as an alien here. So, if you're not a believer here tonight, and you're just like, you know what, like I don't even, I don't even know what this looks like. Like I, I would love to know more about Jesus. Then we would love to have conversations with you. So, I'm going to be over here, and there's going to be leaders all around. If it, Or afterwards, man, just just come up and talk. Let's have a conversation. So I'm going to pray for us. And as you seek your heart, and before you take this meal, make this walk to this meal a walk of submission, a walk of remembrance. God, I thank you so much for the empowerment that you've, you've given us to sit underneath your rule and reign And to listen to your statutes and to hear from your word. And God, I pray tonight that you would do a work in the hearts of these men and women that would take away their their hatred of some of our political system. And God, replace that with a compassion, with a yearning to plead for them a true, genuine pleading. God, I pray that You'll do a work in our heart tonight that would help us sit in submission to You as authority of all. So break our hearts, God, of that misplaced authority structure that we've gotten from all these humans. And God, open our eyes to the blessing of Your authority. You never fail us, God, and we thank you for that. You are always faithful, and we thank you for that. Your authority never fails, God. Thank you for that. Help us sit underneath your authority. Help us submit to you who perfectly leads. God, call your church as a unified body tonight to respond together as the brotherhood. Respond when you're ready, church.